Thanks for tuning in to Town Square. Tonight's program is a recording that originally aired on August 4th. Calls will not be taken live at the phone number given. Welcome to Town Square. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. It can be tough to pin down exactly when the millennial generation begins. Some say the best ballpark year is 1980. Others prefer 1976 or 77 or 78. Whichever you prefer, the bottom line is that bellwether millennials are now in their middle to late 30s. It's a good bet that life looks a little different these days than 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago. You can no doubt call up SNL sketches and other comedy bits squarely targeted at the self-absorbed and entitled younger generation. But time has moved on. And as Gen Z, those born roughly between 1995 and 2005, span middle school through college, well, millennials are now facing middle age. Today on Town Square, we're, we're looking at Hawaii through millennial eyes. Our millennial panel has a lot to say, and maybe you do too. So again, here's our number so you can call in with the issues taking your attention. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Here's our panel. Melly James is the president of the Hawaii Venture Capital Association. Nick Kalakini is a professional musician. And we have joining us Ben Trevino, President and COO of Bike Share Hawaii. Welcome to all of you, and thanks very much for making the time. Thank you, Beth. Thanks for having us. We Thank asked you, you to write down at least five issues that you're following this cycle, this election cycle, and just perhaps in general. But before we get to some of those specific issues, you guys have taken kind of a, a bad rap over the years with a lot of people poking fun at millennials. And and some of it, you know, we all know people that we can point to that say, yeah, that's the person they're talking about. But as you look at your life as a millennial now, I want to go just kind of right around the table. How are you looking at how your life is progressing and what's happening in your life and what's happening in life in general, perhaps a little differently, and have your priorities shifted and okay, we'll start with Melly. Great, thanks, Beth. I would say for me, you know, looking, I guess, back at my life, seeing as I'm apparently middle aged now, um, um, you know, taking a look at the career path that I chose, and you know, kind of going through a quarter life crisis when I was 26, and totally shifting gears as to what was important to me, and really feeling like I could make an impact in the world, and following that passion, and, and continuing to do that. As you know, working with Sultan Ventures and HVCA in you know helping to create that innovation sector here in Hawaii, I do fully believe that you know when I hit that point at 26, um, you know after kind of going through that normal career that I was supposed to do based on the degree I got in college, kind of going through those normal motions, um, and then doing a total 180, um, and looking back at that, I know that I have. Um, I feel so much more, um, you know, complete and that I'm doing the things that I want to do and that make me happy um, and that I'm passionate about. And that happened for you at age 26 where you decide to say, enough with all of this that I thought I was supposed to do. This is the other direction I want to go in. Yes. I quit my job, took six months off, saw a life coach, and totally redirected my life. Okay. Ben Trevino. 
So let me think. If we're talking about how, how my career has gone, where I am in my life, I think that um, – And you don't have to tell us how old you are, but okay, clearly clearly you're over 30. I, I am over 30. So I'm, I'm 35. I was born in 81, so I think this, this will make the cutoff for millennial by any of those definitions that, that you mentioned. Although I think I only realized for the first time a week ago that I was a millennial. I think my younger friends like pointed me and, and always like to point out the generational divide and the things that I don't get about kids these days. But I do uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that a little later on, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I do I do use Snapchat, so I think that, that puts me squarely in the millennial Okay, camp. the cool factor yeah. just went up for you. I might be, I might be Snapchatting right now. But um, so, so my career, I think, um, I think I've always felt I've been very lucky um, just to be in, uh, I sort of fell into my college major. So I was a, a computer science major uh, and I've, I've known our program. It's, it's been a valuable skill in basically any place. There's always somebody that needs someone that can work on computers and however you define that can be very different. So there's a lot of flexibility in this, in this industry. And so um, the way I view my career has been just that I've stumbled into kind of fortunate situations. But what I think what I see for people, my peers and, and people my age, and then people coming up right behind us is that I think it's a very difficult working environment. Um, well, it's a very difficult, I think, lifestyle environment. What what we grew up with, um, the expectations we had for how things were going to work, how family life was going to work, uh, I think the deal is it's much more raw right now. I think it's very difficult to find uh, that that balance of a career that's taking care of you, you know, that when you work hard, you will automatically get, you know, you'll have a certain standard of living. I think there's a lot more, um, there's just a lot more to manage and think about. And it's not, it's not what I think this, this generation expected coming into it. And I think that's, that's certainly been the case. And I think we're seeing it right now in, in this election cycle. I think it's one of the things that, that the reaction against the establishment and the reason we're seeing such success out of anti-establishment candidates is that that people's expectations have not been met and they're having a very difficult time economically. All right, moving to you, the youngest member of our <laughs> millennial gang. Well, thanks for having me You're first, welcome. Beth. Um, so I'm kind of in an interesting situation right now. Um, I kind of did the opposite of Mele when I was uh, 26. So I once I graduated from college in New York, I instantly started to uh, pursue music, um, which is completely opposite of what everyone told me that I should do. Even your grandfather? Um, even my grandfather, you know. Um, and, he, I mean, he's been in the industry for a while. Um, but it's very different than when he was in, in music. I mean, he signed a five-year contract um, that was over six figures at a hotel, and that's unheard of now. You're never going to hear that unless you're in Vegas um, and, you know, a big name. Um, so I wanted to take the chance. Um, I was very fortunate um, to have the chance to come back home. Um, and what's interesting, too, is being able to balance, uh, you know, your family and the, and the commitments you have to your family and the things that you may want to do. Um, so, you know, initially I thought maybe I should stay on the mainland or go somewhere else. Um, but, you know, I knew it was very important to me to come back home to help take care of my grandparents, be with them. And also um, to make an album with your grandfather. Yes, exactly. But we should, every t if they haven't guessed yet, is Danny Calicini. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, I was, I was so fortunate to do that. Um, but I think we all know that music is a, is a very, very tough industry um, across the board from record labels to musicians, um, especially now when you have streaming. 
So streaming pretty much gives music- musicians a micro sense. Um, so it's basically created a dilemma for me at this point. So I actually just got my real estate book. So I'm going to start taking uh, real estate classes to get my license because the reality is I can't be a full-time musician um, and do that 100%. And, and make a living. Um, exactly. And So you're kind of like doing what Melly did at about 26, 27 years old. I guess about. in the sense, well, she started to pursue her passion and you know, real estate isn't necessarily my passion. It's very analytical. Well, maybe the opposite. Exactly. And there's very little creativity, uh, not to you know offend anyone. Um, but I think I had to be realistic at some point. Um, and we also run uh, an audio production company where we do live audio for weddings. Um, but it's, it's, you have to be very diverse in what you're doing. Um, I went to France four years ago, and I remember speaking to the musicians over there and he looked at me dead in my eye and said, I know you can't say this as an American, um, that you're a full-time musician. Um, as a you know a citizen of France, I can say I'm a full-time musician. Um, the government subsidizes my cost of living. I'm able to do gigs every night and still take vacations and live pretty modestly. Um, so it's a difference in what we value, I think, in, in society. I mean, we can get into this later, but when we consider education, uh, the first things that are cut are the arts and the music. Um, and that says something about what we value in society, um, which should change, I hope. You know? It also says something about why we have in some part moved into a gig economy. Mm-hmm. And, and there are people who are making some of those choices to live far more modestly, but to do what they want to do mm-hmm. when they want to do it, as they want to do it. And maybe in conjunction with something else, but not have to do something that they don't have a great deal of, of passion course, for, yeah. which kind of makes me worry about you just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is a worry. That's why i got to change it around a little bit. So Okay. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll check in as, as you keep pursuing that. But I want to r- just read you a couple of things about what they say about millennials. And this is according to Pew Research. 50% of millennials consider themselves politically unaffiliated. 20% consider themselves religiously unaffiliated. They have the highest number of Facebook friends, an average of 250, versus Generation X's 200. Maybe that's just a negligible thing. 50% have posted a selfie to uh, a social media site versus 20% of Gen X. 8% of millennials claim to have sexted, whereas 30% say they have received sex. And they also have... They also send a median of 50 texts a day. Now, that's just some of what they say about millennials. There are lots of other things, too, and you've probably heard plenty of them. But when you look at how other people look at your lifestyle in this context, is is this accurate? And do you think this is a fair way of being able to look at you as you look at the world? I would say um, yes, um, in that... You know, we are so connected um, in terms of social media and, you know, posting all the time. You know, Ben just mentioned Snapchat. He's Snapchatting right now. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Um, and and I think it is true. I know I definitely send and receive way more than 50 texts a day. I mean, especially with technology, it's right on my laptop. I'm not even typing on my phone. I can literally be typing paragraphs in seconds and you know some people don't know that even my dad had said how are you typing so fast on your phone I'm like dad I'm on my computer (laughs) but (laughs) but you know you know and part of that is interesting in that I think that a lot of millennials 
feel very lonely in this world. It's it's that whole concept of, you know, we're getting smarter, we're so much more connected, yet we are so much more alone and less creative um, because we are so connected. I think it's you lose a lot of that individual self. Um, so I, I do think that that's, that's a challenge with a lot of millennials. That's quite a dichotomy that you've just described. I mean, here we are, the most connected group we've ever been, I mean, in terms of society, and in a lot of ways, the most lonely. But I got to tell you, my mother, my mother can text like nobody's business <laughs> on her phone, no doubt. Tonight, we're talking about millennial eyes taking a look at Hawaii and the rest of the world and wondering if you also would like to weigh in on that. Are you a millennial, somebody born roughly between the years 1977, 76, 78, and about the year of 1995. If that describes you, we want to hear from you. How do you look at Hawaii now? What are your expectations of the future? And if you're in that bellwether group, the oldest of the millennials, now in uh, or approaching middle age, how are you regarding life and have your expectations changed in the last few years? 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. You've already touched, Melly, on, on some of what uh, you you know, sent to me earlier about the issues that you're following that you're really concerned about. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the other ones, all of you, and see what you can weigh in on. But I want to ask you first about what Melly just said concerning connectivity versus loneliness. Is this a lonely generation? I, I was thinking about that, and actually I've been thinking about it a, a little bit um, because uh, I'm finding a friend of mine in, in sort of a similar situation. And and I think it... I think there are several. If you break down what makes makes this generation lonely, if you can generalize, or if you just want to think about what makes any situation lonely, I think there's there's a part of it that's being. Um, and I'm going to probably keep going back to this idea of of expectations because I think that's a big part of it. And so there's this idea in in I think our generation, in the millennial generation, that that um, there's really an interest in having an impact, right? Like I think there's this this idea that we we understand that we had a lot of resources that, that our parents made a lot of sacrifices for us, and I think that's a value that's been uh, that has been internalized. And so, when you take that out and you expect to go into the world and say, like, I don't have to take the highest paying job; I can take the job that I want, that is meaningful to me, and that I can have an impact on the world. And you go out and you look, and they're just not there. Right? Those opportunities are not there, or they are not what you expect. Uh, the ability to have an impact is very is very limited or it's it really takes on a different form than than you thought it was going to uh i think you feel very un one feels very unmoored when when that's a reality if you kind of think that you can go out and have a difference and then and it's just not what you expected i, I think there's a lot of loneliness in that and that if you don't necessarily and, it, and if you're in a working environment where there's not a lot of other people in that same situation and a lot of these jobs aren't collecting people of the same age i, I don't think that i necessarily see in my career that, that I've always worked with people that were the same age as me, uh, then you you really have trouble, I think, connecting to people. And then what social media does is you're trying to, you know, there's a lot of discussion on social media. You put, you know, it's your highlight reel and you're, you're only seeing the stuff that, you know, the best stuff of people's lives. You're not going to connect with people based on their, their best, right? Like you connect when you're vulnerable or with the things that you, you have some kind of shared shared pain about. Uh, and so the connections that we have aren't really fostering that connection, right? They're not fostering a real connection. They're fostering just sort of uh, 
information or or ability to keep up to date with people, things like that. Mm-hmm. Nick? Yeah, so I mean, I think there's something very ironic between the idea of being connected but then, you know, being very isolated. Um, a great example I can think of, not so much in the job force, but in learning music, right? A lot of people can learn music in front of their computer by themselves on YouTube, but there's a, a great difference between actually being surrounded by someone or by other musicians and actually learning with someone else. Um, And I think there's something even deeper psychologically um, that will play a huge effect um, in how our brains will actually work and continue to develop. develop. Um, We have to build those physical connections um, because a lot of social media is a a big illusion. Um, It's this big hype. it's, It's how many likes you get. Um, and that gives you this quick kind of short uh, satisfaction. And I think a lot of millennials, um, they feed off that quick dose of, of something that makes you feel good versus kind of a longer um, development of, you know, working with other people and creating true relationships, you know, with someone. Things that really take time. Exactly. Whether it's really good coffee or a really great friendship. Or a conversation. Um, You know, it's becoming difficult, I think, to even look someone in in their eyes and and talk about something. You know, sometimes you have to look away because maybe you haven't been doing that as much and it's easier to just swipe up and down or just to to post something quick. Um, All right. Tonight we're talking about... Millennials take on the world around them. If that includes you, we want to hear from you. 9413689 or 8779413689. What are your expectations now as you look out into Hawaii? Is this a place where you can stay? Are you looking at possibly having to leave because there isn't a job for you here? What kind of prospects do you have? We want to talk to you tonight. 9413689 or 8779413689. Nine four one three six eight nine. Going to Colin, calling from Hawaii. Kai, aloha. Welcome to Town Square. Uh, hello there. Yes, uh, my name is Colin Ross. I'm a Democratic candidate for District Seventeen. Um, I'm a millennial. I'm uh, thirty two years old. Uh, my comment would be that uh, you know, after I graduated from high school, it's uh, very difficult to uh, jumpstart your life in your twenties. You know, when you're starting college and trying to start your career, uh, I had to do that on the mainland. But uh, while I was there. Uh, my whole goal was to make it back to Hawaii by my 30s. So I know many other people my age, uh, we had to go to the mainland to get our educations and uh, hopefully develop enough of a career to move back so that we could enjoy a uh, middle-class standard of living. And uh, I'm a big fan of the show, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Thanks very much for your call. He brings up a point that probably we can all nod our heads and say, yeah, that's happened to either ourselves or to lots of friends had to go to the mainland to go to school, or chose to go to the mainland to go to school. Maybe your parents said, you need to get out of here and go have a different experience, and then we'll talk afterward. But in coming back, um, did you see that this was a place where you could stay, that place that would welcome you? You know, The big fear with a lot of parents is their kids aren't coming back. They can't find a job. And that's been the refrain that we've heard for the last 25 years, and maybe a lot of people would say even longer, but I can remember my mother's friend saying, you know, you're so lucky because your daughter's here. And I think about that with you now my kids. It can be really tough when you think that this is, uh, isn't a place where you can perpetuate your family ties. I'm watching you nod, Ben. Well, I, I didn't grow up here. I moved here about 10 years ago, and I was 
in my mid twenties, and um, and I think it's an interesting. It you know, there's lots, so many interesting questions in this, and I think the the idea of whether this is a welcoming place for um, for an individual in the middle of their career, the, the start of their career, to to create something, and and I think for for those people that I know that are here, they you have to be the type of person that's just not going to take no for an answer, right? I don't, I don't know that it is a particularly welcoming place for um, for the people that want to stay here. Uh, I think you just have to you do you have mean, to be determined you mean in, in terms of the way people approach you, or in terms of job market, the ability to build a life, or kind of all of that smashed together? No, I think that's a that's a good question. I think it's uh, and I'd like to clarify. So I think in terms of job market, I would say economically, it's not. It is not a welcoming place. I think uh, there is there is a great sense of community. I think there is a lot of there are, there are a lot of people that that um, want to be here and want others to be here too. Uh, and I think the the biggest element in making an in, inhospitable environment, I think, is is economics. I think and primarily opportunity. I would say a lot of people point at the cost of living as being a, a primary issue. Uh, and I think it's actually the I think it's the other side of it. I think it's whether there's there's sufficient professional uh, and financial opportunities for people to make a life. This is one of your issues, Melly, too, mm-hmm. that were there you know job opportunities and opportunities for growth? I mean, getting a job is one thing, but to be able to have you know promotional capability and to make enough to be able to stay here and enjoy a life, it, I got to ask first, anybody living at home? Anybody? No. So you guys have all managed to be able to not boomerang. I've lived at home for multiple stints. Yes. Yeah. Well, me too. So <laughs> there we go. But yeah. now, though, as, as you're, you know, you're, the, I want to call you the elder statesman of the group, but the fact that you have been able to make your life the way you've wanted in the last ten years, and to be able to do it independently on your own with direction based on what was calling to your heart and mind. Is this a place where you think that there is enough job opportunity and growth opportunity for smart people who happen now to be in their middle thirties? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's it's I think it's still a very challenging place. Um, you know, I was gone for over over fifteen years. You know, between college and and then of course living in the Bay Area for eleven years, um, and I wasn't sure I could make it happen. I looked at my life and what I was doing in the Bay Area with startups and mobile apps, and there was no way I, I thought I could do that here. And so, you know, I, I actually kind of created my own job um, by starting a company that was developing mobile apps for local businesses and kind of did like a half foot here and a half foot still in San Francisco because I wasn't sure. I kept my apartment in San Francisco. I would come here for a month and then go back. Um, and until I got enough momentum here and met enough people and then things started to, to, to really come along. But I would say for the average person, I can't tell you during the holidays, I'm having back-to-back coffees with people who know that I've moved back. They're living in the mainland, want to move back here, and they don't know how because they don't know how they can plug back in. Um, so what do you tell them? I, you know, I think a lot of them are in startups. They're in technology. And so I try to connect them with resources and with people here, but we're not quite there yet. I mean, in terms of the salary gap, it is still quite large. I, um, I, I, a lot of people actually move back here right after college thinking, and I think they take for granted the life that they lived 
seeing as every generation up until the millennial generation has done better than their parents. Not Gen X. Oh, not Gen X. That's right. Gen X is the first generation to not do as well, if you believe some of what has been said about them. Okay. So, yeah. So, millennial parents still did better than their parents. So, they're living in these lives and take for granted this life they lived, especially in Hawaii, going, you know, to good schools and different things like that. They come back here thinking, not realizing what it costs to live here and that salary gap. um, and, And they come and spend two or three years here in a certain job. And then leave. Or maybe have a, a better appreciation for what their parents had to do. Absolutely. Through. But it's a big shock, you know, when they are living at home because you have to. Um, you're, you're not making much money. And and you are, you know, looking to continue to grow. And you find these great opportunities in the mainland and then you go. That's like a huge exodus. It's actually, I was reading a study for the U Hero. It's a UH study about um, it's not about people not coming back. A lot of people come back and try it here for a year or two, and then they leave. Um, and that that's still a challenge here in Hawaii. And I, I, I think as you know, we're trying to build the innovation ecosystem, and Ben's obviously a huge um, success story with Bike Share and what they're doing here um, with startups and things like that. That is the, that is the hope that when you move back here, it's not hey, I had to take two steps down and I had to take this job to move back. That's the sacrifice for coming back to paradise. It should be, you know, I got to get take this job. But we're not there yet. If you're just joining us now on Town Square, we're taking a look at Hawaii through the eyes of millennials. And maybe that describes you. We want to hear from you. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. As you were just hearing Melly James talk about people coming back here after college only to find out that maybe they just can't make it here and they need to go someplace else or they get a really great job offer that they would be foolish to turn down and it just happens to be someplace else. Maybe that's been part of your life. But if you are here for a very short time or you're back here to stay, how do you regard what Hawaii has to offer and what issues really touch your life. 941-3689 is our number. 941-3689 if you're calling us from Oahu and from the neighbor islands or if you're listening to us on the live stream someplace else, you can get to us at 877-941-3689. Nick, I wanted to ask you about what what you have seen happen because very clearly you came back, couldn't be the full-time musician that you wanted to be. Now you're looking at going into real estate so very clearly you're exactly who we've been talking about Mm -hmm. here in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. how are you going to be able to negotiate what your heart really wants to do and what your mind and maybe your parents are also telling Mm -hmm. you you need to do to be able to stay here and be close to your family Mm -hmm. well i mean it most it's the reality of things you know um the particular industry that I'm in in terms of music um, is not living up to what I expected in terms of helping me pay, you know, the bills on certain things. And especially when you consider the future and a family and, you know, possibly having kids, um, that's going to be something else that you, you want to be ready for financially. Um, so, you know, I'm 26 and, you know, I'll be 30 by the time I know it and, you know, may, you know, want to fulfill that promise in having a family and kids. Um, so I kind of have to start looking towards the future. And it's a, a balance between, you know, your passion and you don't want to be selfish and, and just strictly focus on what you want. Um, but you really want to be considerate of what maybe your family wants um, or that future. Um, so you have to really be able to, 
it's almost like a reality check, you know, understand that, you know, and I'm trying to find that balance where I can still do what I love and I'm very passionate about, um, but be able to subsidize um, what I love, you know, by doing something else, at least financially, because the reality of it is, you know, music is definitely one of the hardest industries, I think, around right now. Um, and But I don't want to give it up, too, you know. It, I'm obviously very connected to it, um, especially my grandfather. Uh, but at the end of the day, you do have to be realistic, and I don't want to move away, you know. Um, and I don't... Which brings up another point. For people who say, I don't want to move away, I'm willing to stay here at all costs. Whatever it is I have to do, if i got to work a couple of jobs, if I have to do something that you know, gets all the bills paid and puts some money in the 401k, mm-hmm. lets me buy a house, whatever it may be. But I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do anything else I have to do, too. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you guys have all made that choice to do it, and maybe with some you know, greater success at different periods of your life. But was there ever a time where you looked at yourself and said, maybe this isn't worth it, or that Hawaii won't move in the same direction at a speed with which I can join it and and be able to make the kind of life that I want. From it was always a priority for me to stay here. So I think I think that has that has been the first you know the first thing that I think about whenever that all the other decisions have flowed from. So uh, and I think that's that's true for a lot of people that are still here. You know, like I, I think it's had to be the first decision. You have to be willing to compromise on some other parts of your life or career aspirations. So what do you compromise? I mean, if, if you, you don't have to be utterly explicit, but you know, if you're going to make a trade-off and say, all right, everything flows from being in Hawaii, I and think Hawaii is the way it is right now, then what trade-offs are you making? Well, so, I mean, in a, I would say in a general sense, and this maybe speaks to Nick's particular experience, uh, I read somewhere recently that it's, and I'm going to botch this quote, but it's something about how you know a society that fails to create poets. There, there's something very wrong. You know, I think one of the most important functions of of a of a modern society is like create this this kind of art that can reflect on what's happening and interpret what's going on. And I think that's one of the first compromises that gets made in this stay at all cost type of scenario. You lose your ability to to pursue the types of creative activities that make uh, that make a community flourish, right? That create new industries, that create opportunities for uh, something other than a very strong visitor and military industry to power our economy. And so without those kinds of 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 opportunities for people to engage in in the kinds of arts and creative uh, enterprises, I think I think that's a at a macro level that's a that's a really key and unfortunate trade-off. All right, we're going to go to the phone lines and see what our callers have to say. If you'd like to join the conversation, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Sorry about that. If you are a millennial and you're looking at life in Hawaii, we want to hear from you. Very often millennials get a bad rap for being so self-absorbed and for being entitled and all those things that, you know, it's just old news now especially for those who are at the bellwether, the very oldest of the group, the cohort, looking at how do you make a life in Hawaii? What issues are touching your life? We want to hear from you. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Richard calling from Kailua. Aloha, Richard. Thanks for the call. Hey, how's it going? I think you guys are really uh, touching on a really interesting subject. 
and uh, it's the first time I've ever heard this show. I've just been recently listening to uh, HBR and everything, but um, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm 28, uh, born and raised in Kailu, and um, yeah, and I feel it. I've, I live at home with my parents, um, so does my wife, and we just had a daughter, and now we're looking to move out and just, you know, just the whole, <clears throat> like, where, like where to go, you know, there's not enough not enough affordable housing in my area also and i guess just in general i think that kind of stems back to like just the education that i received in public school i mean i like i'm a product of public school i i enjoyed that i was able to socialize with you know a wide variety of uh students and um but just like i guess the emphasis on you know the core subjects and such as on, I guess, what you guys are talking about, uh, about more about the creativity aspect of, um, you know, I guess our, our society. Well, we're talking about not- we're talking about life in general in Hawaii for somebody who considers him or herself to be a millennial. I mean, there's a little bit of a fudge factor, uh, at least on the, the, the upper end, because to some, this age group begins at 70, 1976. Others say it's 80. But however it is, you're talking about people who are spanning their, their 20s into their middle 30s now. You're married. You've got a, a, a new child, your daughter, and you've been living with your mom. Is there a chance that you would stay at home and be able to make a, a multi-generational household? I mean, we're famous for those in Hawaii. I know we are, but then I just, I don't know. I don't like the idea because then it's like it doesn't, it doesn't, I guess, push me to go and do something on my own. You know, and um, I don't know. I guess I guess just life here is just more crushing than I thought it was going to be. So, so at, th- at this point, if you're looking at going to find a place of your own and you may or may not be able to find it. Is there any question in your mind that you would, wouldn't would stay in Hawaii, that you'd have to pick up and, and go elsewhere? Mm, yeah, I've thought about that. My wife's actually from Japan, and um, <clears throat> and I speak Japanese, and that's, I was in tourism industry and everything, and I studied abroad over there. And, you know, I was thinking just because, like, everybody says how expensive Japan is, but I went from the countryside, and it's really affordable to live, I mean, you know, there's, there was a house that I think that sold in a neighborhood, a three-bedroom place for $50,000. <laughs> so you you would never find anything like that, close to that. No, you might Here. get a bathroom <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and there in the bathroom. sky. Yeah. yeah, there was bathrooms and everything. So, you know, I just... Uh, well, Richard, we wish you all the best. And, and for your mom's sake, and I think for all of you, I, I, I kind of hope that you find a way to stay here. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks so much for the call. If you're just joining us now for Town Square, we're talking about what does Hawaii look like to the millennial generation. If that's your cohort, we want to hear from you as as maybe you have found a way to make it happen in Hawaii, to be able to stay here, to live, to work, have a life, maybe raise a family, or, or maybe not. Maybe that's been really difficult for you. What issues in Hawaii really make the difference in whether you can stay or go? We've talked a little bit about the job market and opportunities for growth. We haven't really talked about the income gap and the wage gap, and as Melly James put it, also the talent gap. We're going to take a look at that right now. But we do want to hear from you, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. You put in your list of gaps the talent gap. And for a lot of employers who are looking to hire, 
they may get lots and lots of resumes, but people who have the talent to be in that job, some pe- people say, you know, it's a very shallow talent pool, and it means that they can't grow their businesses the way they would like to, or they have to import people from elsewhere to be able to do it, which which causes a whole lot of other issues to, to fall into play, too. What kind of talent gap are you seeing as you're talking to people who are involved with startups and, and, and looking to be capitalized? Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of young entrepreneurs coming in, really early stage companies. Um, and, and what we aren't seeing is a lot of those serial entrepreneurs or seasoned executives that can really come in and help take those startups to that next level. Um, we're seeing a huge talent gap um, in that arena. And also in terms of just general entrepreneurial education. So those types of internships they had at a startup. We're having people really green that are starting companies, which is amazing that they have, you know, the energy and the ambition. Um, But we're not seeing, again, those seasoned executives or serial entrepreneurs that can take an idea and really take it to that next level. Ben, and I'm going to talk to Nick about this too. There have been studies very recently in the last six months that one of the biggest problems with young companies is that they don't have people who have actually learned how to manage properly and that people are just put into positions with big titles and or have been pushed up the ladder, some would say Peter principled, into positions that they can't possibly perform well in and that disadvantages the company and it causes a problem for that person too. As you have been involved with startup companies and certainly bike share, has that been an issue that you've seen happen? So the question you're asking is is whether in the with the talent pool being what it is, hmm. particularly you know in in this age group, to be able to what you've just heard Melly say, to be able to have somebody who can come in and and do the job and do it well when the talent pool may be a little bit shallow. I suppose I actually see – I think I see maybe a, a, like the reverse problem in some ways, which is that there, there aren't enough opportunities for, for someone without experience to move into a position to get that experience. The, there are so few jobs at the executive or management level that you, those jobs are never vacant. And so someone who doesn't have that experience and might otherwise be a good candidate to develop into a position doesn't get that opportunity. And so I think what – I see more of that just because there's there's a lack of of positions. You know, there's just there's just no those opportunities don't don't come up for the people that would naturally track into that kind of situation. All right, we're gonna take a caller. If you wanna join us, nine four one three six eight nine or eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. Is there an income gap in your industry? Are you looking to move up but can't because as Ben Trevino suggests there aren't places for you to go, and so you're kind of stuck. And if you want to stay in Hawaii, then maybe that's where you just need to stay stuck so that you can be here. Maybe that's a trade-off you're willing to make. Maybe it's not. We want to hear from you, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Michael calling us from Kapolei. Aloha, Michael. Hey, how are you? Not bad, thanks. How about you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Go ahead. So I, I, I wanted to speak from, I guess, the um, standpoint of a millennial. I yeah, have, have two kids out of uh, – or one out of wedlock and then another 
while being married. So I think that's sort of the stereotypical capstone of being a millennial is the non-traditional family household scenario. And I'm, I'm from Florida. I moved here a couple of years ago, and I just recently got back from a trip from Florida. And since you're touching on the income uh, inequities between, you know, here in Hawaii and across the mainland, that was that was a true reality shock that I got being back in Florida. And I have a really good friend that I grew up with, and he's 26 going on 27, so we're, we're around the same age. And, you know, granted, he's he has a master's degree and working on a second, but he just... He has a wife and two kids and just bought a really nice home in a really nice area and, you know, for a substantially low price. And I was telling him to look up some households or some houses across the islands, and he was amazed to see at how expensive uh, per square footage uh, it would be to move out here and how much you would have to sacrifice with that. And uh, as far as keeping me in Hawaii, that, that plays a huge factor. So what? What at, the, at this point? What are you leaning toward, Michael? Are you going to go back to Florida, or are you going to stay out in Kapolei? Well, I think I'm going to uh, white knuckle it here for as long as I can, and hopefully be able to purchase a home in, in the near future. And you know, another thing about that is, you rent here is just as much as a mortgage payment is, and I think that's an issue that has to be addressed. And um, I think I think just the housing market across the spectrum from homelessness to uh, really expensive prices on on affording a home. Those are all issues that Hawaii faces. And, and certainly that, that, that you're facing, too. Thanks very much for calling. And, and you know, certainly we know that we are not going to get to the point where we have demand being satisfied by the supply. We know how many units we are short, not just small affordable units, truly affordable units for lower and lower income, but at all levels to be able to find a place where you can afford to buy it. And inventory, we're on an island, so a set of islands. This is not going to be someplace where you can just keep spreading out. So that's going to not obviously be going away anytime soon. And we hope that you're not going away anytime soon either and that you'll chime in with how you're viewing the issues in Hawaii if you are a millennial. What does this mean for you as you have maybe just starting out in your career if you're in your middle 20s or maybe you're in your middle 30s and life is looking a little different now than it did 10 years ago as perhaps you have a family, maybe a mortgage or just a a big rent bill, hoping that you can move up into a job, finding a job that you like. Or are you willing to make a lot of trade-offs to be able to stay in Hawaii because you love it or because you've got maybe a lot of family here? A lot of questions for those who are millennials. If that's you, we want to hear from you, 941 3689 Going to Nick calling us from Manoa. Aloha, Nick. Yes. Hi there. Welcome to Town Square. Yes, thank you uh, for taking my call. No, I was just um, very interested in the discussion uh, because I've seen both sides of this, uh, of the issue. With uh, I came to Hawaii about five years ago as an entrepreneur. I had a, a consulting business on the mainland and I uh, had an opportunity to visit some family out here and it ended up uh, giving it a shot. And um, actually, about three years or two years into it, I, I abandoned the, uh, the, uh, my own business to take a corporate job, uh, basically because I just found it too hard to, it, it wasn't worth my while, basically. 
to uh, try and hunt down more business here because it was the, the reception to like a, a management consultant coming in and helping optimize the business just wasn't really looked at in a positive manner here where I had zero problems getting business on the mainland. It was um, a completely different story here. So, But Nick, um, Nick I, you decided to stay, though. I mean, all, all that said, you made the decision I, I, to I, stay I, in Hawaii. <laughs> Well, my wife is here now, so I, that, that's the best part about moving to Hawaii is I have found my wife. Um, and, you know, we're, we're happy, but we're also exploring other options in other places. Um, you know, so I'm I'm now a manager for um, a, a pretty good-sized company, and uh, I can barely find anybody to, to fill positions uh, for my crews. I, I need engineers. I need uh, tech people. And... I'm, I'm trying to, I, you know, I, I have a constantly look on the mainland. We're, we're actually looking in Asia to bring people over just to just to try and fill what we would consider pretty standard type of positions. Um, so I, I kind of seen it from both sides. And it, it is just very difficult to, to eke out a living here. And the talent, talent pool, I would say, is kind of shallow. Um, there's a lot of training that has to be done if you do find somebody that uh, can step up and is willing to learn on a pretty fast pace. Right. Okay. You, you, you touched on a really good, important point. Thanks very much for the call. People who are willing to learn, maybe they don't have the skills walking in, but if they have a real willingness to do it and you want to invest in them, the question is, after spending all that time investing in this person, are they going to stay? There are so many issues coming at younger generations and in particular we're talking tonight about millennials especially if you're looking at like you know nick is saying maybe they have better opportunities elsewhere we've been talking about that one for a long time but how as a business owner when you put in so much time or if you're a company and you give somebody a great deal of training and you have high hopes for that person we just talked to someone not too long ago who was dealing with that too how then do you feel when you have this turnover or do you just have to get used to the fact that maybe with the talent pool being what it is, that's what's going to happen? I Nick? think um, well, on an educational level, that can be a real problem. So when you have a, such a high turnover rate for teachers, um, you can imagine what, how students feel that you know they don't have something that's fairly consistent um, when you have teachers coming in and out. Um, one, because they can't, you know, maybe it's not working for them. Um, but that definitely, you know, says something. And um, on another point that's kind of a little bit different, but both callers kind of touched, is uh, this negative stigma in terms of millennials about staying at home with your family and kind of what you uh, mentioned, uh, multi-generational household. Um, so at one point, you know, that wasn't something kind of negatively considered. Um, and it almost kind of in a way, well, I guess to some extent. Um, but, you know, of course, our parents and families want us to find our own place to live. Um, but I think there are some consequences that we're kind of starting to see, um, especially when we consider, you know, our grandparents or elderly. Um, I know we're talking about Hawaii, but I know it's a big problem in Japan in terms of um, senior care. You know, um, there's not enough senior care. Right. Uh, one, because, you know, the, par- the the sons and daughters are leaving. So, you know, your parent who's up there in age has no one to really rely on. So people get really lonely and and they're by themselves. But you you also are are describing a situation mm. that many families in Hawaii are facing because mm-hmm. you've got 
maybe the parents who are caught in you know the sandwich generation they have aging parents your grandparents mm-hmm. and then they have you and maybe you know your needs for college or graduate school that they've said they're going to help with and then they're caught with that so having you at home if you are a younger millennial and able to help out with doctors visits with checking in with elders that there becomes a, a family responsibility Mm -hmm. that you're meeting that's very different from are you making a good living at your job can you live alone in your apartment and be independent as a tax-paying you know upstanding citizen Mm -hmm. and we face that a lot and maybe facing it a whole lot more in the future as more of our parents and grandparents are going to need some help Mm -hmm. tonight we're talking about millennials on town square and how hawaii looks to you what issues do you look at a lot in deciding whether you're going to stay in Hawaii or whether you're going to pick up and leave and go elsewhere? 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. It must be the night for Nick's because we have Nick calling us from Waikiki. <laughs> Aloha. Welcome to Town Square. Hi. Hi Thank there. Thank you for taking my call. A pleasure. Um, I think everyone's focusing on the fact of what's going to keep people in Hawaii, but this is not a Hawaiian problem. No matter what area of the country you go to, most people need to leave where they're born in order to find the job they want. So you're, 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 all, all true. People are very, very mobile, and that's true. But when you talk about staying here, if you know you want to stay here and you look at the cost of living and just the cost of housing, that's not necessarily universally you know, represented by how... Uh, other millennials find other states. I mean, there are places that are welcoming millennials because it's so easy to live there. Yeah, but everywhere that's enjoyable to live, that's not the case. You talk about Hawaii, but then you also talk about California, San Diego, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, um, anywhere, New York City, Boston. They all have the same housing problem that we do. It's just people have to move away. It's not something you can... If it's a nice area that you're going to want to live in, Everyone that has the skills to be there are going to want to move there. You can't solve the problem by just keeping building houses. Well, I, some people would say that would certainly help. And and don't tell that to people in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh was one of the most uh, attractive cities for young people last year and one of the most livable and walkable cities. So, I mean, cities are changing all over the place. You can't say just because something someplace is a nice place to live that you know you can't afford to live there. There are some great places around the country. 941-3689 is our number or 877-941-3689. I want to get to some more of your lists. When you talk about sustainability in Hawaii, food security in Hawaii, uh, let's just talk about having enough toilet paper. I mean, every single time we have some sort of natural disaster, here we are in the middle of hurricane season, and everybody goes running off to buy toilet paper and making sure you've got enough rice and enough water and you know food that doesn't require cooking, all of that. Which is to say, though, that we have issues with a lot of those things, and we know that we import, you know, conservatively speaking, 85% of what we use. How much of it is a concern for you in this, or is that just another cost of paradise? I think it's a huge concern, and especially... You know, looking at some stats earlier, 90% of millennials believe that they can make a big impact in the world, that they as an individual can make a big impact, which is ex- extremely higher than, than most other generations. And so looking at that impact, 
how can we, you know, create that here in Hawaii? The fact that we are in the middle of the Pacific, I, I think the stat was we, we would only last five days here if there were to be some huge disaster in the world and we couldn't get ships here to deliver, you know, all the things that they're delivering here. Um, you know, what would happen? What would the, that apocalypse? Um, and, and looking at what can we do ourselves in creating an ecosystem here that is sustainable, looking at the land, um, looking at all the cattle that's actually being, you know, that are, you know, being, uh, I guess, farmed here and, and then they get shipped away and then shipped back and looking at how, um, you know, we can start. We were very interested in what we're eating. Where is it coming from? Um, who Who grew it? Those are all really big things, and I know that it costs quite a bit. Um, one of uh, one of our friends who owns a company called Shaka Tea, uh, that's local. We were talking about you know who would who would pay for five dollar drinks. Nobody except millennials would pay for a five dollar drink, knowing where it came from, that it's organic, and that it's local. Um, we'll pay that kind of money, and I think it's partially you know that that real interest in in sustainability and where things are coming from and, and okay but and i want to stop market. you there for a second you mm-hmm. said nobody but millennials will do that i can tell you i know bunches of gen xers who do that and bunches of boomers who do that too and so my question to you guys is that is as much as you've had a lot of stigmatized ideas popped onto your cohort is that also something that you think that now is happening as you look kind of up the chain at Gen Xers, at Boomers, that they're interested in this too. No, that maybe that that they're they're not. I mean, you said nobody but a mm-hmm. millennial would pay a five dollar drink, and uh, and knowing that it's sustainable, knowing that it's been made by a farmer, and this is where the kale came from, or whatever it may be. And the only thing that I would I would say to you all is that, you know, we we all like to put people into little boxes. And sometimes, you know, we have conversations like this to be able to say, are those boxes real or is this a way of simply just categorizing people? And clearly we have people who do that all the time. But maybe they're the only ones that will pay for it who actually can't afford it. Who can't afford it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's Okay. So then you're talking about being able to make choices and, and priorities. So of all the things that you know that you do and your friends do, do you see that there's some real choices that you're willing to make that you don't see boomers making, that you don't see Gen Xers making? I think millennials, that's that's actually something that's been touched on like throughout this entire hour, is this concept of um, taking for granted all the great things that they had, especially when you're trying to build a family like what you were talking about earlier. Um do I need to start saving up if I want to have a family? And looking at the choices that I think a lot of millennials make around buying experiences over material goods, wanting to be able to create an impact in your job and and learn in different capacities, whether that promotion means now you get to learn about this whole other area versus actually a monetary, um, you know, up in your salary, that that's not as important to you. At a certain point, and especially, you know, for us, Ben, being on the later cusp, I'm really looking at my life as you know, creating that wealth and creating that ability for me to send my kids to school, have children, get married and all and buy a house here. That's actually a huge shift, especially I think millennials are going to have that shift where it's not just about these amazing experiences and being able to have like this life work life balance and doing all these things. At some point, what happens when you actually want to buy a house? You want to have a kid. You want to send them to private school yeah, here and, in Hawaii. And that and that's the point. And that's what we were talking about earlier about those priorities shifting once you start to reach your middle 30s. 
But the issue of being financially savvy, looking toward what's happening in Hawaii where your job might be automated. I mean, we're being told over and over again that many jobs, many even service industry jobs especially, are being automated. And how are you going to maintain that human angle with being able to also make a living? Do your jobs have longevity? Any of you concerned about that? Well, so I wanted to make a comment earlier about education when Nick was talking about that. And I think I think the one of the issues with the talent gap, and this this is related to the automation of jobs, is that given the pace of technological advancement, I think there's a there's a really strong need, and this is something I never hear anyone talking about for lifelong education, for for a public education system that doesn't address, you know, K through twelve or P twenty, but really looks at at providing an education on behalf of all the business owners and behalf of all the economic activity that needs to happen because people need to learn skills throughout their lives. And that's how they will that's how your society will achieve the kinds of economic goals that it, it has. So are you talking about just generally, you know, enhancing or engendering lifelong learning or are you talking about retreading for a specific skill so that people stay viable in their careers? I think that I think it's a holistic you, you can't address it without looking at holistically, right? I don't think a, a fix to train someone to program in Python or to like fix a specific kind of tractor is really going to get you very far in terms of making a society that can that can fill a talent gap, right? That can that can take a new company and a new idea and and create the kind of economic prosperity that I think we all would benefit from and would really turn the tables on a lot of these conversations that we're having right now. Uh, and and so I think from that perspective it's a big, it's a big unmet need, and it's a conversation that's not happening because a lot of the things that that we are being affected, that we're feeling the effects of, are are at the what I would call the infrastructure level, right? Well, we're coming down to the very last part of the hour, and we're going to have to say goodbye in just about a minute. So, right round the table, if there's one thing you want to leave people with about your generation, what do you want them to know, Millie? I would say um, for our generation, it's it's about actually listening to us and, and actually talking to us. And, and our challenges continue to change. Nick? Um, I think for one thing, we shouldn't stop to continue to build relationships and, you know, build our community. I think it's so important that we, we stay in contact with each other physically, you know. And Ben? Uh, I think this is a generation that needs to embrace not only the use of technology, but the the manipulation of technology. And I think that's a big opportunity that is being squandered in different kinds of jobs. Ben Trevino, Melly James, and Nicholas Kalakini, thank you so much for being here. We'll take another look at millennials sometime in the future. Meanwhile, we'll see you tomorrow right back here for The Conversation at 8 o'clock. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. Have a good evening.